0: Welcome to the S'mores Indoors Podcast, the perfect combination of talk and interviews between
1: my favorite podcast hosts. Now please, sit back, relax, and welcome your host, Corey. Welcome to episode eight. And and uh, joined once again by Jonathan. Jonathan, what's going what's, on?
0: What is going on, everybody?
1: Not much. We had a fun, we're recording this on uh, a Sunday. We had a fun live stream last night that got a little weird at the end. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> So if anybody wants to check that out, make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Uh, we, we're providing content across multiple platforms for you. Here at the S'mores and Doors podcast, so
0: and I just want to thank everybody who's been popping on those live streams, man, supporting us, listening to these uh, these podcasts, and uh, just you know, in general, supporting uh, our endeavors here. We really appreciate it, and we'd love to hear from more of you guys. Honestly, you know, let's I want to make sure this is a very fan involved project.
1: Yes, we um, we're going to try to do those live streams, I think, once a week, and uh, hopefully, and. In- um, have a chance to talk to the people watching the show We've had a chance to talk to a few now And it's been a fun time uh, this, this whole process has been fun overall You know, we've been at it since early May And uh, I feel like we've grown a lot In terms of an audience in that short time So it's been really cool to talk to you all Through this process So, Absolutely So let's get into some news how about that let's uh, there's a there's it was kind of hard to find some news but there are, are some big stories coming out and um i'll start out with this one this one is a little older um i think it dropped pretty much right after our last episode but amc theaters and universal had a little uh little disagreement in the past not too long ago universal uh uh course put out trolls world tour and uh amc wasn't too happy about it talking about um you know it kind of causing the end of their uh could cause the end of their um partnership with universal if, if they continue to put out streaming but they came to a deal which has in turn made the other theater chains uh pretty pissed off and the new amc universal deal is that uh universal will uh run films for three weekends in cinemas, or about 17 days, and then they can move any title they want to. I think it's their choice to streaming, which uh, AMC will get a cut of that streaming uh, money as well. And uh, so obviously the other chains are not too happy about that. Um, it's It's a thing that I don't think... Think it for Universal. It's not workable because they're not gonna want to lose that money from those other chains as well So what's your thoughts on a deal like this?
0: They had to do something right like they yeah. both need each other. I mean, you can't show a movie to you, you can't have a theater without movies to show and you can't release movies theatrically without theaters to show them and AMC is the largest chain in the world I believe uh, I don't know if it's just the United States but the world so something had to happen there. I do think it's extremely unfair to the mom and pop theaters that are still kind of running. They're still they're still scattered all over the U.S. and uh, that's going to do that's going to really hurt them. They're not getting a cut of the streaming, which I, I don't think they should, and I don't think that AMC should personally. Um, I mean, possibly I, I actually until you mentioned that I didn't know they were getting a cut of the streaming. I thought I didn't really read into it, but I figured it would have been a larger share of profits. Um, per for opening weekend and and things like that, because the way I understand it is, the longer a movie plays in a theater, the percentages and margins go up for the theater. The older the movie is, they get almost nothing. Opening weekend, things like that. Uh, that's the way I thought it would have been worked, but getting a cut of streaming just seems a little bit strange.
1: Yeah, uh, and you know, you were talking about the mom and pops. They they essentially, you know, they have no choice but to go along with this. If they want to make anything, um, you know, those groups like Regal, they can maybe fight it a little more, but
0: the mom and pops really don't have a choice. They have to kind of suffer through this thing. So no, and I guess in the scheme of it, like, you know, the only theater I have is a Malco here. And I mean, that's tiny in comparison. You know, I mean, they may have, you know, 15, 20 theaters in the United States, but that's nothing. Yeah. So.
1: I don't know. It's it's something to watch. We'll see what happens with it. Uh, you know, I, I think one thing is for sure after this whole pandemic goes, you know, goes away. Uh, there's going to be some major changes to the way theaters run and, and the way movies are distributed. So, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, one thing that kind of kind of to go along with that, you know, it came out this week that Disney is releasing Mulan on Disney plus for an additional $30 charge. And I was actually watching someone talk about this on YouTube and they said basically for them to probably break even on that movie, they'll have to sell that movie to uh, 30 million households, which
0: that ain't going to happen. Um,
1: so, you know, I don't think the taking a movie just to streaming is all it's going to be cracked up to be for these studios. And then, in turn, that may make us see movies that are made a lot more on the cheap and a lot less big blockbusters.
0: So you know, who knows? I mean, it just it's the idea of paying for a service and then paying uh, a pr- thirty dollars is a lot for uh, a theater at home movie or a theater now or whatever is what they're calling it now. I think the norm's been about twenty bucks. Right. And like I said, I have my issues with that. Like I have no ownership of it, whatever, you know, yeah. but, you know, you're paying, you know, I mean, Disney plus is ridiculously cheap. I think it may be six or seven dollars. Right. So I do get where they just can't release it on there because there's no way that's profitable. But uh, 30 bucks is going to there's so many people are just not going to do that. And you may have had a better chance with something like Black Widow instead yeah. of Milan. Like there's just not a lot of hype for Milan. Uh, so I think this is going to crash and burn As far as a a test run
1: I also think they might have had a better chance Had they gone $20 across All the platforms and not just 30 on only Disney Plus So, yeah um, But I don't know, we'll see Well, let's stick with Disney because you had a story you pulled out And, uh, you know I had not done a lot of research on this one So I'll kind
0: of let you go with that with the uh, Physical media thing yeah, this is actually pretty alarming. And this this news broke back on Friday of last week, August 7th. Um, and I've heard multiple sources kind of confirm this, too. Uh, not just Digital Bits, who's the ones who originally broke this story. Uh, Disney is um, axing all future uh, live-action catalog releases on physical media. Uh, so that means everything from 20th Century Fox, uh, Disney Touchstone. Uh, I don't know. Do they own Miramax still? I guess. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. But anything, I mean, just, I mean, you gotta, they probably had the largest share of properties in the industry and, uh, they're just not going to put any effort into putting those out physically. It's going to be focused all on digital. Now, um, from what I understand, they're still going to put out new releases, okay. uh, in a physical format. So, I mean, like Mulan and stuff like that will eventually get. A physical release it's just catalog titles and it looks like the last two we're gonna get are uh home alone on 4k and hocus pocus on 4k and then after that they will not be focusing anymore on catalog titles released being released
1: well i you know i think you mentioned this in the in a live stream recently we did about those 20th century box titles going out of print um Hopefully someone will be able to license those in the future. Maybe they'll cut some kind of deal like that. Uh,
0: That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, there's there's a ton of great stuff from Fox, especially, that, that needs to be out there. And, you know, I'd love to see a good release on. Maybe they will. Maybe they will look at this as a licensing opportunity. Um to put those out, and boutique labels could thrive from this, maybe, perhaps, I don't know. But I do see this as the beginning of the end. I don't think this is going to be a Disney-only thing. I think Warner Brothers, Paramount, Universal, they're all going to look at this and be like, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Right. Um, yeah, one thing One thing about the licensing thing is uh, Disney's not one to leave any money on the table. So yeah. if they could get some cash for,
0: for their products, especially now. Oh, it'd be an... Excellent revenue stream, and I think everybody would benefit from it. I mean, you're talking about if you want speed on 4K, it's going to be a $35 title, right? If, right. if you know, say like a Shout Factory comes in or whoever it may be and licenses that uh, movie, I mean, you're going to pay premium for it, but you're also going to get a premium product. It, so, I mean, it could work out in the long run, but it, it's definitely scary to see. Right. Right.
1: Yeah, we'll uh, stay tuned for that one, folks. I know a lot of people probably that listen to this podcast are big physical media collectors, and uh, you know, let's say, who knows, like what what our collections will look like in ten years.
0: I actually contemplated that for a little bit after we got off the live stream last night, and I was laying in bed, kind of listening to a video about this, and I was, I don't know if I will continue to collect if it's not. Uh, if I don't have any ownership of the product, like I, it, it's so personal now when I buy a movie, I own that. No one can take it from me. If there's something in there that somebody finds is objectionable, or I don't even know if that's a word I just used. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if some, yeah, there we go. If somebody objects to what it isn't, it won't be censored. I own, and Disney can't take it from me, right? So uh, just watching, and when I watch movies on streaming, like I have no connection to them is as, as dumb as that sounds i guess yeah. like it's i don't feel i don't feel like it's an event i feel like it's i don't know it just it takes so much out of the experience for me
1: well i also don't feel that it's um like i i talked with with piz about this when he was on our um, video store episode you know you go through like a netflix or, or whatever streaming service you have and sometimes you just Kind of scroll through and don't watch anything. So yeah, um, you know when you have it on your shelf, you can pull it out. You can kind of look at the artwork while you're watching it, and it's kind of a more tangible experience. So um, yeah, I don't. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with that.
0: Uh, I mean, I think it's one of those things we all knew was coming, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's still bad news to hear. Right. So.
1: So, uh, let's, let's go with some, uh, upcoming movie news, I guess. Um, tales from the hood three. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Todd. Yes. Tony Todd's going to be in it. Uh, no, no details really on the plot or release date. I'm assuming it'll be kind of a, uh, anthology again, because that's what the first two were. Uh, I was always a big fan of the first one and I thought the second one was okay for what it was. Did you see the second
0: one too? I saw this. Unfortunately, did see the second one. Uh, I, I did sit through that. I just, yeah. I mean, Keith David was a good, yeah, it was a good thought, right? Uh, but <laughs> that first movie is just so awesome. And like that, it fails to get mentioned in both the horror genre a lot and like those early nineties hood movies. Do you remember just that wave of those, you know, so, boys in the hood, uh, menace to society all that you know i think tales from the hood falls right in the middle there it's yeah. it's a part of that genre to me and it it feels so much like early 90s los angeles yeah so um i mean it's a, it's a great time capsule movie as well
1: yeah I, I thought it was a uh a cool addition to those kind of hood movies back in the day it was yeah incredible. and uh it was well done you know i thought. uh you know, you could say what you want about the sequel, uh, but uh, I'm guessing Tony Todd's going to be that kind of narrator type guy in this
0: one. So, yeah, uh, I liked I like Tony Todd. So anytime I get see a dude on screen, I'm happy about it. He's a good choice for that. Um, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> watching for that one, I'm sure that'll probably be a. Uh,
0: That's VOD a- for sure.
1: So, uh, so we talked about like the bad part of uh, physical media, but there's actually some big releases coming out. kind of mentioned those. I'm going to go out of order here. Um, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 are getting a 4K steelbook from Best Buy. Best Buy exclusive. Uh, that'll be coming out September 29th. Also, the same day, uh, John Carpenter's Halloween will get a steelbook as well. So That thing is gorgeous. Have you seen it? Yes, I did. It's got
0: Uh, that's very nice artwork uh do you have those on 4k i have all of those on 4k so i mean halloween i'll double dip for um because i just i have a problem with halloween i have (laughs) i that that and evil dead 2 honestly are my most owned movies like across all formats so that oh man that that steelbook for Halloween and the White with Jamie Lee Curtis on the back and Michael on the front it's just it's gorgeous and I think that's going to be a collector's item at some point. You
1: know, it's kind of interesting. you you brought that up. Is Halloween and the Evil Dead movies may be the most released horror movies of all time? Like Anch- Anchor Bay, man. That's why. Uh, right. So. So, yeah, those will be uh, September 29th. Uh, are they both Best Buy exclusives? I know they, they are. are.
0: Okay. And there's there's also, uh, I don't know if it's in your notes there, there's also a Nightmare on Elm Street um, Blu-ray, oh. not a 4K, uh, but a, um, a Blu-ray exclusive Steelbook coming out that I will be skipping. So
1: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, check those out when they come out uh, for sure. Also, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of this series were you a fan of the resident evil series
0: no uh, uh, are you
1: not really but i know there are fans of that series uh, but the the resident evil saga is getting a massive box set from sony uh november 3rd it's going to be a 4k ultra hd collection um Uh, Also, it will include an extended cut of Resident Evil Apocalypse, uh, which was, I guess, only released in Germany in the past. So, um, and some uh, pretty good special features from what I saw on that. So if you're a fan of that series, um, that might be the addition to buy November 3rd. So, yeah. I, I, I think I watched the first one and that was as far as I got. So, uh, so Shudder is announcing that uh, the TV series Sh- Cursed Films will be back for a second season next year. Um, exploring the tales of alleged horror movie curses. Uh, the first season featured uh, episodes on The Omen, Poltergeist, The Exorcist, The Crow, and Twilight Zone, the movie. I watched all those. The Crow, I think, was the best episode. Of that. Pretty emotional from the people that worked on the film. Um... But uh, did you check that show out?
0: I really dug it, man. Uh, the Twilight Zone one was probably my favorite, just because of all the crap that around that, you know, just all the liability that was taken and they got you know three people killed, and that's really wild to to, to hear played out. So um, kind of depressing to watch, though. A lot, of, a couple of those, you know, the Crow and Twilight Zone specifically.
1: Yeah, the the uh, well, Ultra Geist one was pretty depressing too about the girls. Yeah. Right. And um, you know, obviously, uh,
0: there was no curse. <laughs> no, I mean, but it just um, feels that way, right? Like
1: you can understand when something like that happens why people get that mindset that you know what was the deal with this you know movie and yeah. and why are these girls dying at a young age and you know, but uh, one girl was murdered by her boyfriend, I believe, and. Of course, the younger girl had the uh, health issues, so uh, Unfortunate,
0: but uh,
1: I am interested to see what movies they might pull out for the next season I'm not Me sure too,
0: man. I, I feel like they hit on all the big ones, right? So I really don't know what's left, but
1: Hopefully it'll be uh, a good follow-up season for the first one uh, So we'll stay tuned for next year. We're going to need some content for next year
0: Man, Shutter's knocking it out of the park by the way. I hope that that... I hope AMC's making money on Shutter because I'd hate to see it get shut down.
1: Yeah, I'll say that uh, it's what? What is it? Five bucks a month?
0: I think. It's it's nine or... I think it's like nine or ten bucks. I don't know. I have it. Maybe eight. They get a lot of good stuff on there, though, so it's... it's well- <laughs> They do. Like I said, I really hope that they're making money on it because, like, I don't want to see Joe Bob go away again. No, no. That's it, been good to
1: have him back. And... uh, uh
0: Speaking yeah. of Joe Bob, uh, a guy we know mutually, uh, PJ, got to have lunch with Joe Bob Briggs a couple weeks ago. Wow, yeah, I was like, I am—I've never been more jealous of a human being in my entire life. <laughs> that's funny. That's cool though.
1: I yeah. did. That would have been awesome. Um, and of course, I have to always throw a death in here because that's just what I do. Yeah. Uh, Wilfred Brimley, you know the. Uh, diabetes uh, yes <laughs> that's what he was known for mainly <laughs> but uh of course he was in the fall uh the thing by john mm-hmm. carpenter um uh, played a huge role in that movie and uh, done a lot of stuff through the years uh, one movie i always loved is the firm i don't know if you saw that with tom cruise
0: that is a good movie
1: uh, it's a great thriller but uh he was uh, 83 or let's see 85 i'm sorry and uh, bought some uh, kidney
0: issues in recent years, so probably from the diabetes. Uh,
1: but who knows? Uh,
0: the, the craziest thing I saw after his death is I didn't even think about him in Cocoon, but he was like mid-40s when he was in Cocoon playing <laughs> playing a nursing home resident. So that dude just, just looked old since he was born. I'm pretty sure he was born with that mustache. Yes. So
1: my final story, somewhat political, but when you talk about Donald Trump, you got to talk entertainment too. I saw this story and I just had to add it. And this is from a report from the New York New York Times. So take it for what you will—fake news or whatever you want to call it—but it, it has been confirmed by the by the uh, governor in question, who is a pretty strong Republican. Apparently, the White House reached out to the South Dakota governor about adding Donald Trump to Mount Rushmore. So, uh, she thought he was joking about it when they talked. And, uh, she said, she said that she laughed, but, uh, he wasn't laughing. So, uh, could we get Donald Trump added to <laughs> Mount Rushmore?
0: Wow. That's, that's the most Trump thing I've ever heard.
1: Apparently, but, it's, uh, it's his dream
0: to be added to Mount Rushmore so. Good for see, I thought he would have wanted the one dollar bill or something. Well, you know that's next.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: Global pandemic going on right now, you know, millions without jobs, people dying. but Donald Trump's like, I need to be on the mountain. <laughs> put me on the rock next he can't get with that one he's gonna go to. What's the one with the uh, the Native American that's really it's very similar. like he's gonna try to get on that one stone mountain yeah just put me up there it's fine
1: so anyway i thought that was kind of a funny i laughed when i read that headline and uh so yeah (laughs) but anyway that's the news um a few big stories to keep an eye on they're kind of developing so we'll see where they go with the theaters and with physical media um one thing about physical media going away is I'll save a lot of money. So uh, that's for sure.
0: But, yeah, but you'll have to have 83 different streaming services. That's true. so Or I'll just hit the torrents hard. Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly.
0: Um, <laughs>
1: so, um, so we're going to talk today. Today's our topic is uh, best picture winners. Wanted to get away from horror a little bit. Kind of change it up because we want to try to do more than just horror and we've done pretty much seven straight episodes of horror <laughs> So uh, there might be a little horror in here though If There are some, some uh, best picture nominees and winners that are from the horror genre in the past Not a whole lot but a few So we are going to uh, get into that conversation right now And what we are going to start out with is kind of our favorite um, best picture winners over the years and uh we'll start there we'll also talk a little bit about uh maybe movies that should have won or, or when they made the wrong choice of the academy so um do you have a uh you want to kick it off with one of your favorites that did win in the past
0: yeah um i'd say my I, and when we were discussing doing this topic you know the biggest thing was i feel like they got it they, the academy gets it wrong so often right. um so when they do get it right, I mean, it is nice to see. And uh, I guess, like, Silence of the Lambs sticks out to me as, like, the clear best picture of 1991. Uh, and it didn't look like it had a whole lot of competition, either. So I'm sure it pained the Academy to give a somewhat considered a horror movie uh, best picture. So um, I, and I think if there would have been anything close to its level, they would have given it to, to that instead but uh, I think that's one time they really got that right. That movie is an, an absolute classic.
1: I'll kick mine off with uh, the movie of the year of my birth. The, the one that year, uh, Rocky actually um, which, I,
0: go good. Sorry.
1: Which is, I mean, it could be questionable because you have taxi driver that year. that uh, yeah. all the president's men at work. Those movies are pretty heralded too, but, um, you know, Rocky's a classic as well. So, uh, that's, uh, definitely one of my favorites when I had
0: marked there. So that was when I had marked for one that I had an issue with. <laughs> uh, I mean, Rocky's a great movie is just taxi driver came out that year. Yeah. Uh, and that's really, it's only fl- I guess if you, if you took taxi driver out of the equation, like Rocky's a clear winner. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think one thing you have to do too is, um, uh, you know, a lot of times the selection is political, um, po- politically motivated, and not not that Rocky is or anything. But uh, the other thing is, I think some of these movies kind of age better over the years, mm. and maybe Taxi Driver is one of those. You know, I don't I don't know how it was, how well it was started in '76, but you know now it's kind of that classic de niro role so um you know it's kind of hard to tell when you're you weren't there to really observe how it was uh, accepted back in the day so
0: so yeah so i guess for my second pick i'm gonna come way way newer um but it seems like and i don't know if you noticed this in your research but around 2009 the amount of nominees jumped uh quite a bit like i think there's one two three four five six seven eight nine there's ten nominees now for best picture when there used to be like five or so
1: yeah what i was gonna i was actually gonna mention that because back when the oscars were kind of in their infancy they were doing 10 so i think that's kind of return to like the the original
0: origins so yeah And I mean, I'm fine with that. But I think the last time they actually picked correctly, in my opinion, was 2017 with The Shape of Water. Okay. I love that movie. It is so strange, but it's it's beautifully shot. the The movie is fantastic. The acting is on point. The creature effects are amazing. Like it was it was everything I could ask for from a movie that year. And it didn't have a whole lot of competition. Um. I'd say the biggest thing it had to contend with was three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, which was also a great film.
1: I was actually going to mention that. I had that marked in my notes that, uh, that was my favorite movie that year. So, uh, and that, is, that is a fantastic movie. So Yes. So I'm, I'm not saying that they made the wrong choice, but, uh, that was actually my So, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do like that they are, they're doing the ten movies a year now. Um, it gives more more movies a chance to be recognized, and maybe more people go out and seek them out after the fact, you know, uh, which is a good thing. So uh, I want to jump to 2019. You know, the last the last Oscars we had, obviously, uh, Parasite won, which I think is maybe the right choice. That movie is almost like four genres of movie in one um
0: did you see parasite i haven't seen it yet no
1: it's it's almost like dark comedy horror thriller it's it's kind of all wrapped into one it's it's definitely a good watch um but you know we had like i know you're like me you're a big fan of once upon a time in hollywood over the as well i think just and uh when it comes to even just like set design and things like that, that movie is, is amazing. So, uh, yeah. Uh,
0: no, absolutely, man. Once upon a time in Hollywood was, it was such an Epic movie and it was, it was the largest movie of that year to me. Like the biggest undertaking for a filmmaker was once upon a time in Hollywood. And I'm glad it did get some recognition. Like Brad Pitt got his first Oscar off of it. Which he did fantastic and DiCaprio's always good. You, you can't you can't really You can't I can't find a negative thing to say about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood other than I, I know a lot of people didn't like it because they felt like it had no plot. But um to me, I don't really need a good plot in a Quentin Tarantino movie. Just interesting characters doing things is enough for me. Right.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's uh... That's a uh, a big part of his movies. A lot of times, I mean, really, is there a whole lot of plot in like Pulp Fiction? <laughs> you know, honestly, it's no. It's just and,
0: just like, interesting people doing whatever that is they do. So, and that doesn't get recognized a lot. I don't think he's won a Best Picture, has he? No, I don't think so. Yeah.
1: So. So oh, yeah. my
0: my next favorite Best Picture winner is from 2007 and that's No Country for Old Men. Yep. And that was my that was my favorite film of that year and I was almost certain that There Will Be Blood would have beaten it at the time, but it didn't. There Will Be Blood is fine or whatever, but it's kind of boring. Yeah. But it was it was the big Oscar darling that year.
1: You know, I'm I'm sad to say that I've never watched No Country for Old Men. So <laughs> really,
0: oh man, it is so good. You better get it before it goes out of print, because it's Miramax-owned, so... Do that. so.
1: <laughs> All right, I'm going to jump way back. I've always been a fan of this, uh, the movie and and the other productions of it. The 1961 West Side Story. Um, oh, it's favorite. Yeah. So... Uh, kind of try i'm trying to get the old ones out of the way here so we can (laughs) jump to jump to the movies we've seen most of uh but that one was always a favorite and uh, i actually throw this out too i was kind of going through the research and um we you know we talked about when they got it wrong this is this is one that jumped out to me like a sore thumb 1941 how green was my valley was the oscar winner for best picture in that same year, you had Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane. <laughs> Just those two stand out as like a sore thumb in that year. So, uh, How how much do
0: you really like those movies from the 30s and the 40s, by the way?
1: I'm a big fan of Citizen Kane, and I think part of it is because of my profession. You know, it's all yeah. about the paper industry and... Um, so I think that I'm kind of skewed because of that, but, uh, I, I watched, uh, like I watched some, uh, film noir movies like in the past couple of years from the thirties and forties. And I, they're just not something I can really get into. So it has to be really a good story for me to really get into it. I think
0: so. Like, yeah. Acting was just so weird back then, man. Everybody sounded like those, um, uh, radio announcers or whatever. You know what I mean? Like the, everybody was it didn't feel real and all I almost cannot tell actors from the actors and actresses from that time apart. Because yeah. especially the way they speak. Yeah, you know, same and they talk really fast and it it just I, I can't get into it. I feel like it wasn't until serious, like honestly, like the sixties that cinema that we know now became a thing. Yeah,
1: it's um to me one thing about citizen kane is you know that was 1941 obviously it was probably made late 30s uh that's
0: a damn ambitious film for for that time period so it is and i think that's why it's touted as the greatest film of all time right like it's obviously not the most entertaining film of all time i mean hell there's 12 friday the 13th that are way more exciting than citizen kane is right but um I mean, for all the stuff it did, all its magic and editing and the way it was shot, like it was, it was a very ambitious movie and it did change the culture of movie making.
1: Yeah. And those are, I mean, those are the, the movies that you can say what you want about kind of the shitty movies now, but that was the, those are the films that built the industry that we have today. So. Oh, absolutely. If yeah, I, think, I mean, film I was in its, in, go ahead. no if those chances weren't taken, you know, we wouldn't have what we have now.
0: So, um,
1: yeah, go ahead though. I was
0: gonna I was say, I mean, film was just in its infancy. Nobody knew where it was going. Nobody knew. Nobody there was. Nobody had their own style really. There wasn't. Everyone was just kind of figuring it out together. And everyone who was alive and making movies at that time probably predated film. Honestly, I mean, like, or at least close to. So that would be, that's an odd time. It's kind of like, I guess you could say how YouTube, you know, it popped up in 2005 and it's kind of just now getting its footing. Like there's a, as a median, it's.
1: All right. Did you have a, uh, another favorite?
0: Um, another favorite. Yes. 2006 when Martin Scorsese says he finally got his Oscar for the departed. I think there was no question there that The Departed was the best picture of 2006. It had zero competition. Uh, It was up against Babel, Letters to Iwo Jima, Little Miss Sunshine, and The Queen. So,
1: Yeah, The Departed's really the only movie people talk about anymore from those. um, I know Little Miss Sunshine was big for a while, and and The Queen, but uh, uh, The Departed was definitely...
0: um, You know the
1: one that people still
0: talk about. It's definitely one of Scorsese's best films. I mean, it's, I mean, front to back that movie is, is entertaining.
1: One thing they do do, typically, unless a movie is just stand out, is like that year The Departed wins Best Picture. Well, you know, Helen Mirren did win Best Actress for The Queen, and they kind of, you know, share the love a little bit with the, Mm.
0: the hardware.
1: Uh, so that's a good thing, I guess. Um,
0: yeah. Um, are there any more you think that they got wrong?
1: Yeah, I'll throw this one out there. And I, I'm not sure they they got this wrong. But 1994 Pulp Fiction was nominated. Yeah. Skump won. And Forrest Gump, I love that movie. Um, you know, the Shawshank Redemption was that year as well. Um, pretty good company there for,
0: for that year. Uh, but, that, what are Your thoughts on that year? I actually have that one highlighted here. I mean, I love Forrest Gump, but I mean, I like Pulp Fiction better. If I voted, it would have been Pulp Fiction. Obviously, I can't. I can make an argument for Forrest Gump and the Saw Shank, Shank Redemption as well. So that was just a tough year to go for Best Picture. Um, yeah. you, you had three movies there that I don't think anybody could argue with winning.
1: You know, I'll make the argument almost that people talk about the Shawshank
0: Redemption more still than Forrest Gump. Yeah, I mean, it probably has a, it probably has more of a, uh, has more of a following for sure. I mean, I probably like Forrest Gump. I think it's more entertaining this, uh, than the Shawshank Redemption was. Uh, it's a movie, so, so, Shawshank is a movie that everyone, Shawshank, good God, is a is a movie that everyone needs to see and it's beautifully done and it's a great story. Forrest Gump is just so quotable, you know, it, and maybe I'm not the best person to tell you what best pictures should be, but like when I think about movies I enjoy and just put a smile on my face, like Forrest Gump is up there. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: it was like those uh, special effects were cutting edge with him meeting like Kennedy and and things like that. It was those great. Were... So, did yeah. you
0: uh, Did you uh did you ever read the the sequel novel that came from that?
1: No, I didn't, but uh I kind of want to, I'd love to find, we were talking on the live stream about audio books.
0: It sounds extremely fun. Like it said that, uh, I think in the book, like, like the Forrest Gump movie exists and, and, and like Forrest goes to the Academy Awards and everything. Like, I think that that would be great. Like Forrest Gump is like, it's like artsy earnest. Like I think you could have made a, a series of films with Forrest Gump, like they did with Ernest.
1: Get John Cena to play Forrest Gump.
0: Now I'm down with it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Forrest Gump got buff. Yeah. All right, let's see. Um, I'm gonna. I've got two years in a row here that uh, are kind of favorites. Of course, I've talked about this on the show before. 1992, Unforgiven. And uh, the one Best Picture. Uh, a Few Good Men was in that year, so that, those are probably the top two from that year.
0: Oh, what about... Wow.
1: Sin of a Woman. Yeah. Sin
0: of a Woman, man.
1: Everyone used to do that impression, and uh, like no one talks about that movie
0: anymore, really, or that impression. And it's sad, because it's the most fun impression to do.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> wow. Everyone can do it.
1: <laughs> and then the next year, uh, Schindler's List is a big movie that I don't. I won't say I enjoy it, uh, but it's an important film. And, it's an, uh, yeah,
0: it's a very important film.
1: And kind of a little side note, little interesting bit of trivia, I've been to a lot of the places where that was filmed. So, really? Uh, yes, yeah, I've been to Poland twice, and I've uh, been to a lot of the places, the con- concentration camp where that was shot. And uh, I'm sure that was the depressing trip. I was, like, uh, I think I was 21 when I went there. And you talk about, like, dwelling on something that will, like, grow you up really quick. Just stand, like, right there and think about, you know, if I was standing here 50 years ago, I'd be fucked. So. Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, I think it's a, you know, say what you want about Spielberg. Um, to me, that's his masterpiece and what he should probably be remembered for most
0: anything so clear winner that year also like it was
1: no competition yeah i mean what was going to be that the fugitive
0: i don't think so i like that movie but yeah i like the fugitive but like as far as cultural and historical importance schindler's list deserved it so
1: i got a few more but uh Do you have any more
0: you want to go through? My biggest robbery and the one that pisses me off the most is the year of my birth, 1990. Dances with Wolves wins Best Picture over Goodfellas.
1: Oh, wow.
0: So, I mean, I I guess Dances with Wolves is okay, but it's no Goodfellas.
1: That's another movie that, like, nobody talks about anymore
0: is Dances with Wolves, so... And, I mean, other than that, there was really no competition. You had Awakenings, Ghost, which I'm shocked that Ghost was in that conversation. The Godfather Part 3, which was probably nominated just because of the first two Godfathers. Because, I mean, it's it's uh, it's the clear, lesser sequel. And, I mean, Goodfellas uh, has the most staying power. I'm going to go. I'll uh, no, go
1: ahead. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I want to go with another favorite. Uh, I went and see went to see this movie while my before she was my wife, um, while she was going to see a ninety eight degrees concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but nineteen ninety nine American Beauty, uh, great movie. I was a big fan of that movie, and I like the Green Mile that was in that year as well. Um, Sixth Sense was in that year, but American beauty stands out as a movie that will
0: kind of stand the test of
1: time, notwithstanding the fact that it has, uh, Kevin Spacey, you But you know,
0: you know, I was going to mention that, like, it's kind of strange, you know, he's lusting after an underage girl and then like all this stuff comes out about him with, you know, underage boys and stuff. And it's, it's a great film though. I mean, I love the movie it, he does a fantastic job in it, but yeah, it's just kind of wild. You could have made a case for Green Mile that year, too.
1: I think so, too. I I think that movie gets slept on by, by people. You know, there's a lot of talk about Shawshank, but I almost like Green Mile better. Oh, it's great. And it,
0: Emotional. And what was it? Who was the guy that played him? Michael Clark Duncan? Yeah. Like, that dude, his performance in that movie is, is, is not talked about often enough. I don't know if he was even... Uh, he may have been nominated for best actor that year. Uh, he, he, he was in a, Yes, he was, but he did not win.
1: i tell you another, another person in that movie that uh, I, this may have been the first time I saw him in a movie with Sam Rockwell. He played the, the dude that actually killed the girls. Yeah. Um, I hated him <laughs> in that movie. Yes. Like for a long time after I would always just see him as that character when he was in something else. Uh, It was it was hard for me to see him play a role where he was like a normal like friendly person. So I'm thinking
0: it was you. You killed them girls, right? (laughs) Uh, Man, I keep looking at this and it's just you know as I'm going through it, you know, Scorsese got robbed ninety percent of the time. Two thousand two Chicago wins best picture over Gangs in New York.
1: That's that's one thing you know I I brought up West Side Story they like to give the Oscar to musicals a lot,
0: it's very true to uh, tradition, so right. I think that's why. So, uh,
1: I guess I'll just keep going here. Um, two thousand nine, uh, Catherine Bigelow who who directed a a good horror film Near Dark, probably one of the the better vampire movies i've seen mm-hmm. she directed the hurt
0: locker have you seen that i like the hurt locker i think that was a fine choice for that year
1: it's a it's a good um uh, good character study on those guys that defuse those bombs in in the war zones and how they kind of cope with life when they're back home which for uh, and jeremy renner played that role and he played it really well uh you know it was a struggle for him to like live the normal dad life when he was back home and it was almost like he was excited to get back to Iraq or Afghanistan wherever he was in the movie um, but that's just a i just it's just a really well done movie because you feel like they're really in
0: in danger through that whole whole film so yeah. I think now I'm going to call out what I think is possibly the worst year for nominees, okay. uh, and that was 2011. It's uh, when the the artist won Best Picture. Yeah. Snooze Fest. <laughs> My God, I hated that movie. But you also had The Descendants, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close, The Help, Hugo, Midnight in Paradise, Moneyball, The Tree of Life, and War Horse. I probably would have given it to Moneyball Yes, for that year. Um you could make an argument for the help, uh, but the Moneyball was definitely my favorite movie of those nominated.
1: I agree with Bonyball. Uh I actually like the Descendants as well. Um that's a pretty good movie if you haven't seen it. George in that. Uh but the artist the artist won because it was a silent film. I mean it it was a kind of a gimmick thing and that's why it won. So Yeah. Um but the next year a movie uh produced by George Clooney did win which was Argo is another 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 movie I really love uh had a lot more competition than here before yes you've got like um Lincoln in there which you know um I thought that was an amazing portrayal by Daniel Day-Lewis I mean, he looked like Lincoln so yeah um, but you had Django Unchained as well, which I love. It's one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Um, but Argo is a tense, tense movie, if you haven't seen it.
0: I do love Argo, and uh, that was a nice surprise for Argo to win. Again, I would have went with Django Unchained. That was my favorite of the nominated, but Argo was fantastic, and I thought Argo probably had the least chance of winning um, out of the out of these nominees, so to see that get recognized was really nice. It was nice for Ben Affleck, you know, to get a, to get another, uh, statue. He probably won't ever get one for acting, but.
1: No, probably not. But, uh, no, it's, it's, if, if, if people are listening and haven't seen Argo, definitely check it out. It's uh, it's great. It's so tense. The last scene when they're trying to get out of the country. Um, yeah, it's, uh, definite watch and those are kind of my favorites one thing going through this list that was interesting is there's a lot of movies that i've kind of forgot about over the years and uh yeah probably revisit some of those because um you know i just maybe watched them once back in the day and uh you know i haven't revisited them so might be something to do not like i don't have a shit ton of stuff to watch anyway
0: yeah right (laughs) <laughs> uh, I'm going to hit my last one real quick, if you're, if you're good. Um, my uh, the, the latest disappointment for me was in 2018 when Green Book won uh, Best Picture, which Green Book's a fine movie. I mean, it, it was really entertaining. Uh, but A Star is Born gets slept on so bad because Lady Gaga's in it. But that is my favorite film of 2018. It is so good. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Man, watch it. It is fantastic. I have to do that that woman is extremely talented yeah
1: yeah um i'll have to check that out for sure i kind of slept on it because of her but uh
0: i think everybody did but like man she acted her ass off she can sing beautifully i mean she she caught a lot of crap for being you know this pop icon or whatever but she has some some legitimate chops
1: well that's our picks folks Uh, best picture winners and uh, hopefully if you haven't seen some of those that we listed you check them out Um, you know see if if you enjoy them as well and and check out the uh, the list online of of uh, nominees as well maybe you can find some hidden gems that you haven't seen over the years as well when i wanted to bring this topic up because i've just been thinking about this year that we're going through and you know, obviously, there's probably not going to be an Oscars this year because there's nothing to nominate, really.
0: Yeah, Trolls World Tour would win Best Picture. Yeah.
1: So, or that horror movie that paid their way to the top of the box office. Yeah. <laughs> um, there are some movies out this year, though, that you could check out, but, um, I think we're probably looking at a double, double Oscars probably the following year. So, um, i I didn't ask you do you ever watch the Oscars?
0: um I usually like catch a little bit of it and then like I'll just I try to watch like you know the big the big ones best actress best director, best actor, best picture I try to catch those like I hate to say it, but I really don't care about like best sound design and costumes or yeah I hate to say it like that but I just I usually don't care too much for it. Right, I kind of use the Oscars each year
1: as a um, to catch up on movies I missed that uh, I may want to check out it's good that they they kind of highlight them and talk about them and and talk a little bit about what they're about and I kind of get an idea of stuff that I missed I want to check out so um, and then I, I'm interested in seeing spot like, to
0: be like okay well I, should, I I should probably check this out like everybody's talking about it
1: what was that? I'm sorry.
0: I said it's. I mean, it's a really good way to, to, to find out about films that you just typically wouldn't see. Right. Um.
1: Yeah. It's um. It's. You know, there's a lot of movies that are nominated that uh, I sometimes have never heard of, and. You know the the, sure. the the story about them might be interesting, and the and the other thing about the Oscars I do enjoy watching is. To see if people I really like, you know, finally win an Oscar. Kind of like we talked about Brad Pitt this year. I was excited to see him win. And uh, things like yeah, that.
0: Like, like Leonardo DiCaprio. Basically getting a sympathy Oscar for The Revenant. Like, that wasn't for that movie. That was, like, just for his body of work, basically. That he's been robbed every time he's been nominated. Sorry we missed you
1: the last 20
0: years, so. Yeah. What's Eating Gilbert Grape was amazing. You should have got it for that. Yeah. So,
1: but yeah, that's our uh, discussion on the Oscars. Um, it's kind of fun to go through that and, and think about some of these movies that haven't watched in years. So, uh, may have to go back and watch some of them. So, yeah. we will be back in two weeks with another episode of the Spores and Doors podcast. But until then, make sure you check out the YouTube channel, SporesandorsPodcast.com, and Bombastic Reviews. Hopefully we'll have some good content on there for you as well. And uh, Jonathan, why don't you hit them up with your social media
0: links? Bombastic Reviews on Facebook. Bombastic Reviews on YouTube. com as always. And that's it. S'moresAndDoors76 on
1: Instagram and, S'mores and Door's Podcast at YouTube and Facebook. And uh, check out the show as always at com. So until we talk to you again next time, take it easy.